In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndieCast. Uh, Chad Allen, Zach Romero, both here with you. Zach, how you doing this week, my friend? Um, staying warm, Chad. I'm staying yeah. warm. Yeah, we probably should be careful on how much we're saying staying warm. We're in Florida, and uh, we've got people in other states who are like don't have power right now. So it's cold for Florida. I, I know what everybody's thinking, but yeah, it's it can be a little chilly here sometimes. Um, good news, everybody. Zach and I have a guest this week in our uh, in a great line of like amazing guests we've had on recently. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, have this guest return. Actually, uh, it's been I think a couple of years now. I should have looked up when the last time he was on. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the IndieCast. Uh, the one, the only Uncle Bob, brutal Bob Evans is back on the show with us. Bob, welcome back to the IndieCast. Hi guys, how are you? And yes, as I'm speaking here in, uh, well, I'm driving through Brockton, Massachusetts now, home of Rocky Marciano and Marvin Hagler. It is 28 degrees Fahrenheit, so I, uh, and this is not as cold as it's been, and we're expecting snow right. tomorrow, so, uh, but yeah, I've been through some cold snaps in Florida as well, and my visits, so hopefully I don't, I, I, I will not bring, the, I will not continue to bring the cold to you, and hopefully this will just be a quick <laughs> Uh, thing, but yeah, it's uh, some interesting weather across the country. I guess they. I, I saw a map. It said seventy three percent of the country is covered with snow right now. Yes, yes. So that's that's nuts. So yeah, no, it's it's legitimately. I think uh, Florida, a little bit of Georgia, and I, I like. I talked to somebody for my other job today in uh, Arizona who did not have snow, but I think that was that's about the extent of it right, pretty much right, every place right. else in the world is covered right now so <laughs> so well stay warm uh well you're up there hopefully this week we can all get through this here pretty soon so yes sir. um so uh bob let's kind of start off a little bit one of the reasons that we we have you on here today is uh the creation of uh wrestle life uh has yes. been a bit of a new thing recently why don't you uh kind of fill in everybody who may not know exactly kind of what ruffle what wrestle life is yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you can find it at thewrestlelife.com. And what it is, is I, for about five years, I've been on the road. I learned, I'm 48 now, I've been in 29 years just this month. And uh, so I've really been recently figuring it out, how to travel, how to save expenses, how to make more money on the road. I, for a long time, I was mostly a regional wrestler in the New England area. And then when I started wrestling for Ring of Honor, uh, I noticed that when I was teaching people, because uh, I guess I guess coached at some of the trial seminars, and people kind of dug my coaching, and they're like, "Do you do national? You know, do you do seminars around the country?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll be happy to." So I kind of had to learn how to travel, how to fly, how to drive, how to do all these things, and kind of learn them at an advanced stage because for years I was making fun of the guys that would drive a long time, and. A lot of those guys I would specifically make fun of are now making six figures to a million dollars in wrestling now. So obviously <laughs> I'm a little behind the eight ball on that and I don't look very good. So, but I guess you can teach an old dog new tricks. And so really what the wrestle life is, 
is I also call it a, uh, a website to teach you how to not get yelled at by your family when you go out and wrestle. So uh, I am I am of the opinion, and, I've, and, and again, guys, I've probably learned this pretty recently, probably the last five or six years, I would say, you don't have to be a broke a broke guy or girl to be in indie wrestling. You can actually make a nice lucrative side hustle for yourself or make a good one-night score, or you can do it for a living. I mean, it would take some doing to do it for a living, but I know you can definitely do it for a lucrative side hustle. I start, I, for years, I thought about doing wrestling full-time, but I, it never really felt the pull to be a national superstar or be a full-time guy. I was always super into wrestling, and I loved it, and I taught it, and plenty of my people have done national stuff and done TV work and Mike Bennett and Taylor Hendricks and, you know, plenty of people have done, uh, gotten national contracts and things like that. However, the, I never really felt the pull to be a national guy. Then when the ring of honor opportunity popped up, I, I managed to accidentally la- last eight and a half years with a national company and do pretty well for myself and become a national guy in my own way. But when I quit, re- I actually quit wrestling I mean, excuse me, I quit my regular job in April of 2018, and it was a disaster. It, it actually really worked against me. I had too much free time. I didn't plan. I didn't put money away. I did a terrible job transitioning into wrestling. And also, when I found out wrestling was now described as a job, I didn't like it anymore. So it, I lasted all of about nine months and got really bad, badly uh, back into my gambling. I was actually a year from gambling and then I got back into it again really bad worse than ever um I just celebrated two years with my my last bet February 13th so but it took me to go get structure again and what I realized was I just didn't want to wrestle full-time and even I've been working uh feverishly on this on the wrestlelife.com site but even if I work 90 hours a week on it I don't think I'll ever call it a full-time job because I just have to frame it somewhere in my mind. So that also got me thinking a few years ago, there's got to be a lot of other people that are kind of feeling the same way where they love wrestling. They want to be a part of wrestling. They want to do it, but they're not necessarily sure they want to be in WWE and AEW or anything like that. You know, some, and also like, here's the thing that's never really been tackled because I think it's kind of a delicate question, but, um, you never really you never really talk about well what if you're good enough to wrestle on the indies but you're not good enough to wrestle nationally so and I'm I've I've always called myself kind of like a 4A guy like the 25th man on the roster I was proud to hang with the guys in Ring of Honor I hung with some of the best in the world um, and I had good matches with some of the best in the world but I also knew at that point that I wasn't one of the best in the world now coaching I I, I kind of really dug into the coaching thing. I still wrestled plenty on the indies, loved it. Um, But I really got into the seminars and things like that. And I said, we really have to kind of teach people that they can, it's not even settling. I wouldn't call it that because I know people that make more than a lot of the national guys kind of doing both. But if you make 60 grand at your regular job, you make 40 grand wrestling part-time, that's a hundred grand, no matter how you slice it. So, and I'm not saying everybody's results are going to be that typical, but I know plenty of people that do that and they're really happy and they don't, you know, they don't, they're not drunks. They're not, they don't, they're not on pills. They're not broke. They, they spend good time with their family. If they can't make a wrestling show because they have their kids dance recital, they just go to the dance recital or they don't miss weddings. They don't, again, I think you can hustle and there's not, I love the hustling lifestyle. I really do. But the hustling lifestyle has to be, so you're not 
ruining everything else in your life. And I think this is what, this is why I called it the wrestle life because it's not wrestling. It's not life. It's the wrestle life. Once we get into the wrestling business, it's a part of us. So really I'm teaching classes on how to use your time more effectively, how to travel better, how to wrestle better. I mean, we have, we don't have any in-ring classes yet just because I haven't had access to a ring, but I mean, I've coached plenty of people in in-ring in stuff too. This isn't a Tony Robbins rah-rah thing. This is, this is much more of a, here are practical applications that you can put into play taught in a course. I have a four, I have a six, six module, four hour class. It's the hangs with Bob blueprint. It teaches you just about everything you want to do. If you want to become successful in wrestling, full-time, part-time weekend warrior, however you want to slice it. So that's, that's kind of where I am. And that's where the, the site goes. And, and we've really gotten some good early momentum with it because I think I'm speaking to 90% of the wrestlers in the country. And and that's why I've been hitting all the indie podcasts is because I want to speak to these wrestlers and say, you don't have to be broke and you don't have to be broken. So that's kind of where I stand with that. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing is I think you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, if you're finding your level of success, then that's what ultimately matters. Like, like you said, you can be a wrestler and you can, like you said, be regional if you want to. It, it doesn't have to be like, well, if you're not in AEW or WWE, then you're a failure and this is a waste of time. Like, you can you can set your own, I guess, goals and expectations. And and I think that that branches out into all kinds of art. Chad and I know artists who, you know, if they're not struggling, if they're not, you know, in in, in a dark place trying to make art, then then it's, it's not, it doesn't feel real. But it's like, no, no, you can just have this be something that you enjoy doing that doesn't have to be life or death. And it can be something that you can grow with. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, and my whole thing with artists is, and, and this is how I talked when I talked to you guys mentioned promoters earlier, but it's one of the things I talk about with promoters because promoters always ask me if you had one thing to tell me, what would you tell me? I say profits first. And they go, well, of course. And I go, what do you mean? Well, of course I don't, I, there's 99% of the wrestling shows that I see, are not profit first. And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if you think I mean keep all the money for yourself, you're way off. What I'm saying is 99% of the promoters I talk to, they say, if we could just make enough money to pay everybody. And I said, you have 500 seats. Why don't you try? Really, your goal should be 500 seats. In my opinion, it should begin and end with 500 seats. Profits first. And, and another thing I tell almost every wrestling promoter I know is raise your prices. And they go, you're crazy. We'll have riots. Everybody will quit. Everybody, no one will ever come. I go, really? I said, do you know how much the movies are? Do you know how much even a minor league ball game is now? Do you know how much any, you know, uh, uh, Mulan on Disney Plus was thirty bucks? True. You know, I mean, you know, Hulu, Netflix, all these places. Like, you know, I mean, I know Netflix is a bargain, but they went up two bucks. Everybody cried and screamed, and then they had ten million more subscribers. So, again, you have to I I didn't say put on a crappy show and charge three hundred dollars a ticket. I said, show your value and then charge the right price for it. You charge six bucks for a wrestling show. I wouldn't go. Why is it only six bucks? I've had plenty of people that say, why is it only six dollars? Why is it only eight bucks? What is it? Some kind of like amateur thing? Is it sleazy? What is it? I'm not saying charge 50, but you should charge what is going to get you a fair profit and get get you to be able to pay everybody a lot of the times you're drawing 100 people and you make a 600 gate i don't care if you have 10 people on the show you're gonna have trouble paying your bills so 
really a lot of what I'm seeing guys is in, in this project. And really when I was touring and doing my hangs with Bob seminars, and I'm still going to do those when we open up again a little more is it's a mindset thing. Like for some reason there's two, I call it the two, uh, self-esteem issues in wrestling. The first one is indie guys who think they're not good enough to sell merchandise. They're not good enough to like, I'm not good enough. Nobody will want to buy my stuff. I go, everybody will want to buy your stuff. Just give them a reason to get out there and be a wrestler. That's number one. And well, you know, nobody's going to want to book me. Nobody's going to want to pay me. I go, plenty of people want to book you and pay you. You got to be out there. You got to do it. Put yourself in that environment. You know, just show them that you love wrestling and you're willing to have good matches and be a good brother and, and just help and you'll do great. And then the other one is, well, you know, it, you guys, I, I know a little bit more than you and I'm going to lord it over you. And you guys are all you, you didn't shake my hand. So you disrespected me. And it's this other side of the insecurity and poor self-esteem issue where these veteran, these quote unquote veterans have to act like they're so much above all these rookies when they made all those mistakes themselves you know so i'm seeing a lot of that in independent wrestling and i just come in and say you know we've been sold the line i've been sold this line for almost 30 years guys that oh pro wrestling is so much different than every other business pro wrestling is the same as every other business you serve your customers well you do a great job you go be up above and beyond and you'll be fine and it's going to be the same five percent of the country that's going to do it same five percent of the marketplace is going to do it and those people are going to rake that's that's how it works if you hang back and you expect everything to happen to you it's not going to happen you got to go out and you got to make it happen and this whole like we, we we saw this uh a while back with don't work for free work for free all this and i my whole thing is exchange value for value if you have to drive a little bit and take a little bit of a loss to wrestle somebody cool who's going to give you a great reputation and you're going to get tons of bookings out of it then go do it i'm not saying go wrestle and be broke and not make any money and quit your job and work for $5. I didn't say any of that. I'm saying go exchange value for value. If, if they, Hey man, I can't pay you as, you know, I can use you, but I can't pay you that great. Cause you know, you're, you know, I've already kind of got a full card and all this, but I'll put you in a dark match against, you know, take care of my student or whatever. And you have a great match with that student. You don't think that promoter is going to remember that and take care of you. And oh man, you took care of this guy. Great. And give you a good recommendation. And you know, you make all these connections. It's, for me, for me, it's very, once I saw it, I can't unsee it. The right. fact that re- wrestling is relationships, it's going out there, it's marketing yourself in a positive way. And I don't mean yippee, yippee, kai, yay, rah, 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 yay, everything's so great. It just means you don't have to post that your girlfriend left you. You don't have to post about Biden or Trump or any of this stuff. You don't have to post that, you know, you don't have to every, every, look, I, I swear like everybody else, I'm a, I'm. I'm a human being and I say the same bad words and I do the same things that every, every other human being who's a real person does, but I don't have to show that to you on Facebook. I can be something else on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that. So, and again, it doesn't have to be fake. Just put out stuff that you want to see and put out stuff that you want to be seen. So that's what I'm, that's really where I am. I'm just not, uh, I'm struggling with the fact that once I was given this formula, which was really just kind of, yeah, man, just go out and do good business a lot, and and the business will come back to you. I, I struggle with the fact that people are having trouble finding bookings. People are having trouble doing this. I, I got booked by 10 promoters by saying, hey, promoters, get in touch with me. I'll give you free help. Well, if I'm willing to do it and I make more money than a lot of those guys, why aren't they willing to do it? 
get in touch with me. I'll talk to you for an hour. And I'll, uh, if, if you listen to me, I'll double your numbers if you listen to me. And I won't charge you a dime. And please don't book me. And I got booked by 10 different promoters <laughs> after I told them not to book me. So, and that, I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you that I know that's the right way to do it. So, and that's really what I'm trying to teach. You know, it, 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 go out there and do good business. If you have to give, if you have to be Costco and Sam's Club and give people a free sample, give people a free sample. You don't have to give away the store. You don't have to be taken advantage of. I don't want anybody to be taken advantage of. But go out and do your, go out and do your thing. Kick ass on a show. Show them what you can do. Don't be afraid to pick up a board and put it on the ring. Don't be afraid to put some, put a put a ring post in the truck. Smile while you're doing it because if everybody does it, it'll get done in 15 minutes. And then just shake everybody's hand, thank them for the experience. Tag them on Twitter and Facebook. What a great time I had. What a great show. If the if the show's a sellout and you have a camera phone in your hand, take a picture of that. Take a picture of that uh, show. Take a, take the best picture you can. Post it. What a great house here at ABC Wrestling. There's plenty of stuff you can do while you're sitting around. And people notice that stuff. Publicize the business. So you mentioned uh, something about self-esteem. You mentioned that uh, whole concept of self-esteem in wrestling. And that actually brings up something that uh, Chad and I have discussed and we've kind of brought up on the show a few times. So in Florida, as you know, Bob, there is a ton of young talent down here. There's yes. There's... A million schools and 10 million wrestlers uh, sure. just entering the business at all times. So we hear a lot of things from young wrestlers, frustrations, goals, dreams, uh, failures, the whole nine yards. And so one thing that we've come across that I, I'm very interested to hear your your take on is um, in, in in the dinosaur times in, in wrestling, there was, you, you kind of started out as, as a jobber. You would come out, you know, you would wrestle in a very short amount of time, make somebody look good. And that was sort of your introduction. And so I know that for some young wrestlers, it feels like they're kind of building their self-esteem off of almost like win loss records that like being in new companies and being the fall guy and, 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 and not getting their moment in the sun seems to really do a lot of damage to some of these kids when it comes to their confidence and, and how they want to portray themselves or how they feel like, their worth is in wrestling. So how do you, how do you explain that maybe that's not the case? That maybe not, you know, daisy chain your self-esteem to a win-loss record, as it were. Well, and when I started in early on, I had a, a guy who, he wasn't my first trainer, but he was really probably one of the most influential people in my career. And I started as a heel because I was an arrogant jerk in the beginning in real life, kind of. So um he had me to be a heel and he beat me every night. He'd beat me. I lost all the time. And he goes, and I go, why, why am I losing? I want to win. He goes, why would you want to win? You're a heel. You win as a heel. You're kind of done. Well, don't you want to, you know, you're, you're my best guy. I go, I'm your best guy. You beat me every night. He goes, yeah, that's why you're my best guy. Cause you get your heat back every time. And I didn't understand it for the longest time, but he was teaching me how to be a carpenter. He was teaching me how to be a guy who could build people up and I could, you know, I could win once in a while. I could lose. I could, go up and down the card the but i it was an ego shot to me in the beginning and i mean it doesn't bother me anymore but it's one thing i try to tell people is this business is is real because the pain is real we go through it the effort is real all you have to worry about is you got to do the best job you can with what's given to you and you have to have a good attitude in the beginning, even if you have to fake having a good attitude. Even if you're 
person inside and you're super mad and you're frustrated, you still have to have a, a, a good attitude. I didn't have a good attitude and I was lucky I didn't get my ass whipped more often than I did um, <laughs> because I really didn't understand it. So, and it's funny because this business is quote unquote faker than it's ever been with a lot of the entertainment aspect being introduced and a lot of the, you know, a lot of more like showboating and things like that. And, you know, quote unquote, like, you know, uh, what cinematic matches and things like Mm -hmm. that. And for some reason, a lot of the guys and girls still can't understand winning and losing. It's, I always liked when people told me there was a reason why I was winning or losing. And so I get it, but yeah, you have to kind of figure out that it's a work. One thing that I, I also find very interesting that um, I got to see you in, in person. You were down here in Florida. What was it, Zach? A couple, about a year or two ago? I would say I think uh, closer to two years, I think. Closer to two years for... The, for, uh, for the Rex thing? For yes. the Rex show. And yeah. um, I, I was, I, I'm very interested in how quickly and how well you connected with an audience as soon as you came out. And, and I'm so, interested in kind of, kind of uh, how you, uh, some of your thoughts on it. Go ahead, Zach. Uh, I know. Before, before you answer, I before feel I like answer. We, we have to be, we have to be hundred percent transparent here. We retell the story of your entrance. That's true. I think probably a dozen times. Yeah. Like just to young wrestlers and wrestlers who don't really like, put a lot of thought in their entrances. I'm like, let me tell you the tall tale of brutal Bob Evans showing up to a, to a, a, a show in Florida. There's a, there's actually a really cool reason why I did that. I actually stole that from a famous guy who actually became a friend of mine later and helped me with my addiction. So I get to name drop, I get to celebrity name drop too. So this would be cool. <laughs> so what happened was um, I actually was very much influenced that entrance of all people by Jay Moore. Um, who was from Jerry Maguire and his big stand-up. Oh, of course, yeah. And, right? So Jay actually became a friend of mine through his podcast. And Jay was the only addict I knew, aside from some family members who I didn't feel comfortable talking about. So Jay was actually the one that sent me to GA and actually got helped get me straight. So I always send him messages and we chat once in a while and I've come to one of his shows. And, you know, so we become pretty, you know, pretty casual friends and things like that. But Jay always tells the story about how he met Buddy Hackett. You guys know Buddy Hackett. Is, of course. Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay, so Jay tells the story. So I'm not talking out of school. And trust me, this is, he tells the story in the stand-up. He tells this on his podcast. So it's not anything, anything he's, you know, secret. He actually didn't know. He told me, he didn't know he even influenced in me in the story until I told him later on. But he tells the story. He says, I met Buddy Hackett when I knew everything, 20 years into stand-up. And he asked Buddy Hackett to watch a show. Now he's expecting Buddy Hackett to go, oh, my God, kid, you were great. You were the, you were the best. And so he does a stand-up show, and, and, and he, goes, he goes, so he comes back, and Buddy Hackett's just kind of looking at it, looks very ambivalent. He goes, how was, how was it? He goes, oh, it was pretty good. He goes, he goes how come when you get, got introduced, you walked right to the mic? And Jay goes, well, that, I don't understand what you mean. Like, you just walked to the mic? And he goes... He goes, yeah, but why didn't you, didn't you see the guy sitting with his wife in the second row? That guy spent a lot of money. It's, it's his wife or his girlfriend. He's trying to impress her. He's trying to, maybe he's going to ask her to marry him. You don't know, but he spent $150 to sit there with you. And you didn't bother to shake his hand. How about the people in the balcony? The people that didn't have as much money, but you could have waved to them. You could have given them, you could have said hello to them. Those people paid their hard money, hard earned money to see you. How about the kid in the wheelchair sitting over there? 
You didn't see him. You didn't spend any time with him. He said, but if you go and you say hi to those people and you wave to those people, when you walk to the mic, the whole crowd walks to the mic with you. And wow. that stuck with me forever. I got goosebumps for telling the story now. And, I, and, and the thing is, I've always been influenced from that story. And when I'm in a new town, plus, if you guys remember, that show was very technical wrestling heavy. Yes. And I was like, and because and uh, David Mercury, my opponent, he goes, oh, man, I, got, I can't wait to do some chain wrestling with you. I go, brother, we ain't doing any chain wrestling tonight. <laughs> I, I love you. You seem like a great guy. And I'd love to have that match with you later. But we ain't having it tonight. I said, those people are sitting on their hands. This is not a technical wrestling crowd. This is not a, um, you know, a Dragon Gate USA crowd or a Ring of Honor crowd. I said, I'm not picking on those crowds. I, I, I love technical wrestling. I'm decent at it, too, and I really enjoy it. But it's not uh, what we're doing tonight. I said, we've, they've had six or seven matches, and it sounds like practice out there with no people. It sounds like a dress rehearsal. Nobody's reacting. Nobody's cheering. Nobody's booing. I said, let's just have a good match and let's go out there and have some fun. And I said, and there were 80 people out there. I said, I'm going to try to say hello to everybody in the crowd. And I did. Yes, and you I did. Everybody's hand. I said, hello. You hug the old, you, you make the old ladies feel special. You make a big deal. They hug them and make, oh my God. And you act like you're in love with them and you blink your eyes at them. And then you see the kids, you, pick the, you dance the baby around, you do it. And again, I don't do it. I don't do it as like a trick or manipulation. I do it because I'm, I would have loved that as, as a, like, and, and the thing is every non-wrestling fan, and, and I don't understand that guys are worried about, you don't cater to wrestling fans. WWE, if they cater to wrestling fans, they cater to what? The million people that they have on TV, but they have to draw more than that when they do their live audience. They have to draw moms and dads and families and things like that. No, absolutely. Do you think Disney on Ice, they, you know, I remember going to Frozen on Ice and I got chills as 9,000 people stood up and sang Let It Go at the same time, including me. So, and it was a tape. It was, it was a soundtrack from the movie, but people knew it so well and loved it so much that everybody, it was like a concert. You know, you start, you start, you have to use best practices from other places and That'll get you in the news. I'm, I'm dating myself here, but that'll get you in the newspaper. That'll get you on the front of websites. That'll get you on the TV news, stuff like that. And I always look to be bigger than the show, not at the expense of the show to help the show. Like I went to this show and this guy was larger than life and I can't wait to see him again. That kind of thing. Right. And, well, and, and that, that, no, please go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and I think you, you nailed it perfectly. When you did this big, fantastic entrance, where you had the theme music that was easy to clap to, you basically introduced yourself to the whole audience. At no point did I ever, th I, I agree with you, at no point did I ever think like, ah, Bob is manipulating the audience to cheer him on. It felt like you gave everybody the shortcut, like you gave the crowd the cliff notes. Like, by the way, in case you weren't, you know, you weren't caught up to speed, it turns out David Mercury and I are mortal enemies, and right. we've been feuding for 50 years, and you've caught yourself, you know, you just happened to hit the lottery, and here's the final match of our, of, you know, of our feud. Like, that yeah. sort of feeling to a match that kind of came out of nowhere. Right, and, 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 and Mercury's a good heel, and he has a good mm -hmm. gimmick. So just put heat on me, baby, and I'll feed over to the manager, choke me out a little bit, 
boom, 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 put him in the finish, knock the manager out, little roll up or hit him with my foot, whatever it was, and one, two, three. That's it. Tell him a story in one night. Not because because I'm not going to be there again. And that's that's the one where the baby face goes over. You just you know, but if they if they wanted me to go over, that would I mean, if they wanted Dave to slip up, slip over, that'd be fine. But you steal it and then you leave because I always tell them, I go, you can beat me anytime you want, but you can't leave me land. You gotta, I got to get my hand raised at the end. I'll sell whatever you hit me with, but I got to get my hand raised. Now I do a speech now, my, you know, about my addiction. I do a quick little speech and I say, please go get help. And I reach out to someone. And I've actually had people write me later and say, I, I, went, to, I went to AA. I went to GA because you said that was the fun. I took that as a sign from God to, 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 to send me there. So, I mean, I've had people do that. So, and I, again, I don't do it to whatever, like, you know, I just do it cause I feel it. Uh, big Brian Campbell sledge from ring of honor. And, you know, I send it because he's, he's a, he's another addict too. And I said, Hey man, when you and I had our match, I was 13 days in and you said day by day, it'll be, it'll be a year or two before you know it. And now it's two years, you know? So, I mean, it's like, I, I love sending people those messages, you know? So, and that's the thing, like just, Man, it, it, it's like we're all in this together. Like, haven't we learned that over the past year? We're all in right. this together, you know? So I I love I, – I just love people. I've always wanted to be that guy. I've always wanted to be the go-to guy that people turn for advice. And I give him a hug, and I would say, you know, hangs with Bob gets better is real. Like, it's not fake. So – and then I – but I want the fans to feel that way, too. I want the fans to – you got to give the fans an experience. You can't just give them a match because they can see a match on TV that's better than you. If you if we're just the worst version of what they see on TV, why are they paying to see us? They had there has to be something else. There has to be. We went to this party and a wrestling match broke out. Mm-hmm. You know, and and again, you can paint a great picture. This is where I this is where I, I get into trouble with a lot of the indie bookers, and they kind of cross my ass a little bit because I said spots first. I said you paint a beautiful picture and no one knows it's in the building. How are you supposed to? Have an awesome picture and get as many people in and then show them the great picture. I said, you're doing it the wrong way. You're just painting the picture and going, man, I hope people show up and see my picture. No, tell people about it. Well, I don't want to be braggy. I don't want to look if it's look. I didn't say give them a piece of garbage, a stick figure. You drew the, you know, you paint this great picture. It's awesome. It's a work of art. Let's go see it again. If you have a terrible show, you have a terrible show, whether you publicize it or not. It's not going (laughs) to last. But if you have a good show. And you and, and you tell people about it. I swear, half the indie promoters are scared to promote. What if people show up? What do we do then? Like that's true, you know, guys. It, it, I don't understand. Like, and I think also people take. Um, I think people, when you say run it like a business, I think they mean you have to be this cold corporation that lays off people from the factory and things. Like, no, you can have just as much fun, but just. Raise your, raise your floor. Like what I mean by raise your floor is again, like we, this building holds, what's the, how many people can we hold? 300. Well, let's sell 300 tickets next time. You know, I, I, I had somebody, a kid from Michigan, nice guy. He, he hit me up and he's like, yeah, we're, uh, we only have, um, our capacity when we get back to it after COVID is going to be 80. And I said, it's not 80. He goes, what do you mean? If we put any more people in the building, then we'll get in trouble. I said, run two shows on the same day. Now you have 160. I said, the ring's there anyway. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's, that, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> I was like, why, why are you, you're limited by every, just, it's limitations in your own head, man. Like, 
I ran, I, I had small buildings. I ran doubleheaders. I just, I didn't know if people ran doubleheaders in wrestling. I didn't care. I did it anyway. And some of them were successful and some of them weren't. But most of them were. And now you're, again, like, you, you, if you're paying a daily rent for the building and you're paying one rental fee for the ring, who cares what time the guy brings it? If he brings it at 11 or he brings it at 3, he'll bring it. He's going to leave his house about the same time. I mean, really. So just bring the ring early. We'll set it up. We'll do two shows, two admissions. Boom, boom, boom. You doubled your house. I, I again, it's, you know, they, it, I think you had um, my man on from Action Wrestling and he had a double header. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I. You know, I'm not. I certainly didn't. Inv- I certainly doubt I invented it. I, in fact, I would say I didn't. But I know I was one that did it when I had a small building, because you double your numbers. So just do it. So uh, one more thing I had, and this is again, this is another like, we've got young kids asking. Um, sure. So when we've put together shows, because you know Chad and I have been behind the scenes every once in a blue moon and yep. help with promotion and stuff like that. Um, you know, not every match can be a half an hour. And right. so sometimes you, you, you got some young kids and you're going, okay, kids, you get four to six bell to bell, you get four to six minutes, go out there. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I'll see the faces drop like that. Not that it's an insult, but like that four to six minutes, you just don't have a lot of room to tell a story in only four to six minutes. And well, I, I mean, th- what do you say to the guys that are on WWE TV every week? What do you say to the guys? I mean, I don't know. I never had a match in Ring of Honor more than one segment long, which means seven minutes at the longest. At the longest. I never had a match that was more than one segment long, aside from the, we did a tag team gauntlet, and we were in like a little piece of it. So that's that still was about four minutes. But we worked with four minutes with the Young Bucks, and stole the show because we weren't doing Young Bucks stuff with the Young Bucks. We were doing goofy stuff with the Young Bucks. And we broke up the monotony and got we lost in four minutes. And the, our, our fans were so smart, they were patting us on the back saying, man, thank you so much for not doing just what everybody else did, you know. And I'm not saying it was 500 people doing it. I'm saying it was like three or four people. But I was like, yeah, we must have been doing something right. Again, I can people Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan lost in five seconds made $100,000 and then set himself up for the rest of his life because it cro- it caused such a stir. And I don't, I bet Daniel Bryan was like, man, it sucks. I got to lose the belt. It kind of sucks that I got to lose that quick, but I'm sure I'm going to make a great payday and whatever. It'll be fine. Like, I'm sure he didn't really, I'm sure he wasn't half as worked up as the rest of the crowd was. And right. <laughs> again, the next day it just turned into something else, you know? So there'll always be time for you to have that match later. I've seen guys and I've seen plenty of guys in Ring of Honor, probably a dozen guys in Ring of Honor get signed having a five minute match. A ton of guys, a bunch more than you can think of. And I've seen I mean, we did we were doing six minute tags and I had my first tag team match with Cheeseburger at a tryout show. I think matches that are 20 minutes have to be a slow burn. anyway. I think if they go balls out in the beginning i think they have a tendency to burn out at the end i think you have to kind of they got to kind of be built to last so that's just my opinion i don't i don't knock what's going on today i'm not one of those people but i just think that uh, i love 20 minute matches that build i love i give me give me six or seven minutes of the feeling out process and getting things moving and then give me you know give me a great heat and uh you know you can give me a comeback to false finishes and stuff give me a give me a killer last five or six minutes but 
I don't have to see balls out for 20 minutes because I don't think it, I don't think you can tell the, a clear story in that, but you can definitely tell a clear story in four or five minutes and do like two spectacular things a piece. You'd be fine. Again, it's selling. It's, it's where you are in the show. It's the stuff that you do and the impact that it has. And that doesn't necessarily mean impact as in a big move. It could be impact as in you work a crazy gimmick or you say a funny line and it gets over whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be uh, a wild move. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. That's excellent. I love that. And I, I had heard somebody, I forget who I, where I read it or what interview I heard. And quite honestly, it might've been one, something else we had here, but somebody had once said, like, if you, if you've got a, a card full of like Dean, Dean Malenko's, you, you need to be doing the clown. Um, right. It just has to be that complete, you know, that complete turnaround that, cause that's, what's going to get you noticed more than anything in that instance. And you're absolutely, and, and I do love the fact that, yeah, you've narrowed it down there specifically 20 minutes for a story. That's a lot of room to tell the story there where in four to five minutes, if you can get everything kind of right where you need it, um, you can, you can tell that in that short, in that short amount of time. Well, and, and what, and when did, and again, it's, it's a lot of personality. It's a lot of passion. I mean, Dean Malenko's incredible. Awesome. You know, I mean, I had the fortune to wrestle him for four or five minutes in a WWF match and he lived up to every expectation I ever had. He was great. Um, but, the but again, what was the what was the hottest thing that Dean Malenko ever did? The thing with Jericho, because right. there was a personal issue where Jericho got him pissed off, and nobody ever really seen Dean Malenko pissed off before. So, and again, how long was that battle royal spot? A minute, you know. Right. And, and I mean, you know, the match wasn't even super long, and it was a heat match. It wasn't a, you know, it was like a heated. It was a fight. It wasn't necessarily a move match. You know, where a bunch of where he did a bunch of cool technical stuff. And again, I certainly will not tell Dean Malenko anything about his career or how to guide his career. I'm just saying, I remember that matches and like, man, he went his ass. Like, that was great. You know, like, and I was in the business, but I was like, this is cool. Like, Dean Malenko's an ass kicker too. Like, that's, that's a part of his personality I hadn't seen before. And that story was told in eight, the whole thing was eight minutes from when he unmasked and wrestled Jericho and beat him for the belt. Like, that was all quick. So, because I think it had to be. So that's just one example. And yeah, the whole, like, if somebody's doing technical matches, be doing the clown. I mean, isn't that what you guys were just talking about with me and Dave Mercury? I mean, same thing. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. And if you have five minutes, just have a great five minutes and just be super quality at whatever you do and don't lollygag around. You don't have time. As soon as you do TV, that'll kind of be drilled into you anyway. You don't have time to do yay boo, house show spots and all that. As much as I love that stuff, as much as I absolutely loved that stuff, I wouldn't have been able to do that entrance if it was TV. I wouldn't have been True. able to do that, unfortunately. Um, and that's one of the things that the guys on TV kind of, you know, complain about is that it, it's very difficult for us to tell a story. And I think that's also why people complain that a lot of the matches look the same because the stuff that colors their personality isn't, isn't done quite as well, you know? And I think a lot of the guys and girls these days should probably start and you've already seen this with some people, but a lot of them have to kind of rely on doing it themselves. And unfortunately, not everybody's really good at that. So on the indies, you kind of have that freedom. And that's why I also tell people, especially when they're starting out, don't worry about getting signed. Sign yourself to kind of your own company, quote unquote, and then 
just become really good at what you do. And then later on, WWE or AW or any of these groups will come along and quote unquote acquire you. So in other words, build your business up so it's really valuable and then somebody will come and buy it. But then again, that's what you would do in any business that you would build up. So true. And that's where, again, wrestling is not unlike any other business. We have to stop lying to ourselves and we have to stop saying that. And it, 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 I, it, oh, this business is so different. It's not. It's really not. It's a unique business as in, you know, it's, it's, it's it, the things that we do, but the structure of the business, the plan, the organization shouldn't be any different. Very cool. Well, uh, but let me interesting because obviously with things being a, a business like we like you were just saying here, uh, I'm interested. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the big points for the business some days is WrestleMania week, right? Um, because a lot of the obviously a lot of the independent shows, you know, will come down to where WrestleMania is. I know that the uh, collective is going to be down here in Tampa this year. IWTV has a, a run show that they're doing. Um, how do you feel right now, especially about like the what's going on with the WrestleMania shows with what's going on with COVID? Um, well, I'm going to get my first vaccination on Friday, so I'm excited about that. Um, so that'll be good for me personally. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't like going to WrestleMania, uh, weekends. I, I, too many people, too much stuff. Um, I'd rather kind of usually on WrestleMania weekend, I was as far away from it as possible other thing um just because i why go serve an overserved market when you can go serve an underserved market uh and that's just my opinion again but i again i have also told people to go go do go go there and offer to be a hand and i mean i told uh a young lady named Brittany aubert a few years ago she said i'm going down to wrestlemania weekend you have any ideas i said yeah go help Go up with the ring, be the wonderful person that you are, and you're a very, very good referee for six months in, and uh, all of a sudden she's doing the May Young Classic, and all of a sudden she's doing AEW, and, you know, she's Aubrey Edwards. So I'd be lying if I said it was me because it was her, but she at least was smart enough to take the advice from uh, kind of had her best interests at heart, and I just said, look, you're an awesome referee. She was six months in, and she was one of the best referees I ever worked with, and I said, they're going to see that. If I see it, they're going to see it too. And then she got on, I think she got on some Beyond Wrestling shows and she got on some uh, shows in Gabe's are and, you know, it just kind of moves on from there. And they wanted another woman ref aside from Jessica uh, for the NXT. And, and then I told, I told Aubrey, I said, Jessica's a buddy of mine, go hit her up. And I told Jessica to take care of, take care of her and they're friends and they still talk. And, you know, again, everybody had their spot and everybody's, but, it all starts with either putting yourself out there. And again, there's no one way to do it. Go put yourself out there. Go do it. Obviously, wear your mask and don't be a clown. And if you're sick, stay home and all that. But if you feel like you can get an opportunity, if you feel like it's the right way, go for it. I'm not a big fan of people who are just putting up things that say now available for WrestleMania bookings. I have a feeling that the, the people that are doing the WrestleMania shows aren't too worried about guys. Let me see who's on Facebook today, who I can book off of Facebook. Right. I don't really think those guys are really, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but, uh, Timmy, actually my partner, Tim Hughes, he put it up today. He goes, we have an announcement. We won't be at WrestleMania. 
and 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 that's you know it was nice to see somebody saying they wouldn't be there it was kind of funny but um and i also put up yeah everybody have a great time and enjoy yourself and all that but if you want to go go just be safe and there might be opportunities but don't go thinking that you're going to be aubrey edwards because first of all she was incredibly talented skilled and also had the computer skills and things like that and also she was going to go back to her job making probably high five figures if she didn't get the job and go have fun wrestling i mean uh go have fun refing in seattle and you know not necessarily worried too much about getting signed she already had things to do and she was also like just really good at what she did too i mean just got the business right away but she got into the business to hang around with her husband because her husband was a wrestler it still is um so again, everybody's situation is different. So it's very difficult for me to just say one particular situation. But really, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, figure out if it's the right move for you. And if it's not, look for other stuff that's running WrestleMania weekend that's not there at all. Maybe that's a good opportunity for you to wrestle somewhere else because a bunch of guys have left and left open up spots to go wrestle in other places. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So I remember we used to be on... We, I think we, I think we went to Seattle three weekends in a row, three years in a row, because it was just the place to be that weekend, and just did some cool stuff over there. So I, I would kind of go out of my way not to be a part of it. I don't like to be a part of that whole thing. I don't like conventions and all that. So I don't like. I, I don't know. I just feel like it, it, you're, I feel like everybody's attention is half placed that weekend. I don't. I, I don't think it's really. People think it's a great time to network. I'm kind of. Half and half on that. I guess I'd have to go see. I know I'd be good at networking, but I'm good at networking anyway. So, right. I think if you're if you're good at it, go for it. But if you're if you're expecting, to, let me say it this way: if you're expecting to get discovered, don't go. That's. The, but if you're if you're going to go just to go for the experience, just for the heck of it, then go do it. How are we not charging like premium price for this? This is like the dozenth episode. Of like a TED Talk. If you're a young wrestler and you're listening to our show and getting like these nuggets, please reach out to us. Please put us over. Uh, I feel like all this information, this is a wealth of knowledge here. So this is part one of a two-part interview that Chad and I have had with the incredible Brutal Bob Evans. And so make sure you tune in next week. We go into more detail about do's and don'ts and how to get over and how to really make the most out of wrestling for yourself. As well as we go into like a lightning round reversal where we're asking genuine questions to Bob about Chad, Chad's projects, my projects, and how to increase our numbers, which I know everyone is worried about. So on behalf of part one of our amazing guest, Brutal Bob Evans, on behalf of Chad Allen, I'm Zach Romero. Until next time, we always say, deuces. Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners. We're touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.